Welcome to Pierce Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we're on episode 233. Another yeah. update episode. That's right. And if you are watching right now or listening right now and you're wondering, where have all the, the podcasts gone? You used to do two a week. We're currently doing one podcast a week because we're uploading more YouTube videos. So if you're not, you know, already subscribed to us on YouTube, make sure to go over and subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit the uh, subscribe button and the little bell notification. Bing. Like hit that button because that will let you know. It'll send you an email or a little notification when we drop new content. Because if you just hit subscribe, it doesn't actually do anything. Like it, I, it makes it easier. Like at all. It makes it a little easier to find. Like you can find like channels I'm subscribed to, but otherwise it doesn't alert you to or anything. So if you don't hit that bell notification, you're not going to know that we're releasing new content. And while you're over there, uh, hit the like button on one of our videos. That'd be uh, that'd be super awesome. That's true. That's true. You can even hit like, like the person that hits the unlike before the video starts. Mm, that's right. Kind of counter that a little bit. That's so, right. Anyways. Hey, I uh, appreciate you all tuning in. And uh, yeah, there's a lot going on in this update episode. A lot of, uh, we're going to keep it upbeat and positive as we always do. I always want to offer solutions, but you know, there's some changes happening here and there, but uh, you know, let us know. You saw the eBay spring seller update in the comments below. What are your thoughts? Is eBay still that platform you go to or is it becoming Phoebe? Just wondering. So, all right, before we get started, uh, well, let's talk about our sponsor later. Let's just let's just roll with it. What's going on with you? Um, you know, I mean, things have been pretty good. I feel like eBay sales have actually been pretty uh pretty good right now. So, I'm assuming some of that is the uh if you're listening right now when we're we're pod when we dropped it, it's probably the stimulus checks are already out. Um, when Sales we're recording better, hopefully. Yeah. So when we're recording this, uh, it's some people I'm, I'm assuming have gotten it. Not everybody has. So, but, but even, even the anticipation of money coming in, right. Is, is got people spending, which is kind of the whole idea. It's stimulating the economy. And so people are spending and I'm assuming that's what part of it is, but I'm definitely seeing an increase in my overall eBay sales. Uh, so that's been really nice. It's been a good, you know, always having my wife come in and uh, and do shipments. Every time I see her carrying tons of boxes out while I'm teaching nice. from th the other office, I'm like, yeah. So um, it's, you know, we're doing pretty good as far as that goes. And, uh, and you know, the other thing is I, I've decided, I think I'm going to probably go to the swap meet at least once or twice a month, right? And I think the reason I'm going to start going to the swap meet more is... One, I can go after I've done the kind of golden hours of garage sales after like 10 o'clock hits and it's like garage sales just start to like the the return on investment just drop significantly. Um, and and of course, I'm sure all of the great, great finds at the swap meets are gone too. Uh, but the nice thing is it's literally just rows and rows of people lined up trying to sell you stuff. So you can really practice things like you're negotiating and you're, you know, haggling and all that stuff because what do you got to lose? And I mean, I was doing some stuff this last time where I'd find an item and I'd say like, I could probably make money on this if I could buy it for $2, right? But they're probably going to want to charge me $20. So it doesn't hurt to say like, how much you want for it? And they're like, oh, you know, $30. And I'm like, well, I'll give you two, right? And then, you know, you try and get there. <laughs> well, there needs to be a numbing like to that. That's what it is. Because that's that's the hard part. We we read, which one was it? Was it Tim Ferriss? Like in his book? Yeah, work ask for a hundred no's. Yeah, a yeah, hundred no's, right? And a lot of people all the time hit us up on Instagram, like Orlando, you know, because they watch, you know, you do garage sales, and I do garage sales, and I'm numb to it. Like, I mean, I always go the 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 hardest thing that will ever happen will be that some other person will go in and offer more, and I'll lose that. 
Right. But that I'm, I'm glad that's that's pretty awesome. I would say I would recommend that to any new seller out there. You really want to become numb to the word. No, go go to swap meets. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great way because, yeah, if you're going to garage sales and if you've only got four garage sales, you're going to there's a lot of pressure on you. Like, I've got to make money at these garage sales. And so you're you're there's a greater fear, right? Because there's the fear of failure seems like a bigger, a bigger deal. But when there's a hundred and some vendors and half of them are, are, you know, like stores almost. So it's like they, they're, you know, it's almost useless there, but even then try and haggle. Cause a lot of them, you know, again, it, it comes down to the more you do it, the more you hear no. And you'd be surprised. There's a lot of times where, um, for instance, this last time I was at swap me and I, I got some things for selling on eBay, but there were a couple of things I just randomly found. Like I found a piece of workout equipment that I was going to pay like almost $40 for on Amazon. And I saw one here and I asked the person how much it was. And he said, $5. And I said, uh, I'll give you a dollar. And he's like, all right. And so I got it for a buck. So I saved $39 on something I was going to buy on my own. Right. And it's just because I saw it, it was there. I got to, to, to practice haggling. And even if you'd have said, no, I could have bought it at the five bucks. I could have said, okay, here's the five, but you know, just getting that practice in. So, um, I don't know. There's been times I've gone to swap meets and I just haven't done great but at the same time it's it's like a sure bet like you're gonna walk out probably with at least a little bit of profit and if nothing else it's that practice it's that practice of talking with people seeing things and again the more you see certain inventory because if you live in a place where maybe there's garage sales aren't all the time but you've got some kind of an indoor swap meet or some kind of a, a you know get together where people are selling stuff and maybe it's not as um as profitable as a garage sale but it gives you that opportunity to practice your haggling skills so when you are in a more high stake situation, you're good to go. You know, I love that you're going to swap me because I need to go back. I haven't gone, I would say probably four or five years. My son, the other day we drove by one. He's like, oh, we're never going to those again. Are we dad? Because when we used to go, I literally would spend three hours and it's just because I was fascinated. Like I wanted to learn new things and I wanted to see if I could find a deal. But I wonder if the knowledge that I have now would be actually better in the sense that like I would actually walk out with stuff because mm. back in the day when I would go, I usually wouldn't find anything, but it's like I've shared before. I used to go to thrift stores all the time and I'd walk out. I'm like, there's nothing here. And now that's very rare. It still does happen, but it's very rare that that happens. Mm. So interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I'd like to, well, I love it if we could go sometime together and see what we could score. Yeah. And then we, we've talked about that sometimes. So we'll see if that happens. All right. So yeah, crazy, crazy stimulus sales to the point that I, I battled whether I wanted to say this on the podcast today or not. But if I was part time right now, I, I'm not saying you should do this, but I would maybe take a day off. And if I had stuff to list all day, I would just list all day right now, like list everything you can, because I am seeing seeing a greater growth of sales than I saw in the previous two. Do you realize this is our third stimulus check? That is that is mind-blowing to me. I mean, trillions of dollars. Okay, anyways. And the momentum I saw this weekend, even before the weekend, Mike was saying that the like, rumor of the stimulus passed. And I remember the day that it passed, I had, you know, I had a $500 sale. I had a $300. I mean, it was good things were selling. And I don't know. I mean, this may be one of those things like right now you want to take advantage of because, you know, we don't we don't know what's down the road. Right. I've, I've been saying this since the beginning of the pandemic is that you, you got to go all in when there's opportunities because you don't know when there's going to be opportunity again. So 
you know, tread lightly with that information. I know it feels personally, it feels me. I probably would have taken a day off this week and would have listed whatever I had possible. I actually canceled uh, sourcing. I was going to take a road trip up to L.A. And I decided to stay in San Diego because sales keep coming in and I have more inventory. I need a list and I don't want to. It's not that I'd be wasting time, but you can always source. But to have you know, sales at the momentum that are happening right now in the stimulus uh, time, uh, that's going to be a tough one. And by the way, this is piggybacking on top of tax returns that possibly people may be getting at this time. And, you know, we're, we're in an interesting, I would say, pivotal moment right now economically as a country. So anyways, definitely some awesome stimulus sales. You know what I love is when you sell things for full price. And most of the stuff that I've been selling has been full price, not even offers being sent. So that's been good. All right. Uh, so also on top of that, though, I've noticed a trend of normal sales returning. And so what I what I mean is Mike and I are big uh, textile. That's the official word, but clothing sellers. And I saw a major slowdown in clothing probably from October until I would say even the last few weeks. But I'm seeing, again, an uptake. I'm, I'm selling Hawaiian shirts again. I'm selling Harley stuff again. I'm selling uh, cowboy boots again. I'm, I'm selling clothing items where before... It was, you know, those household goods I'd be selling or video game related items, uh, toys, stuff like that. And I kind of was like, I was getting concerned. Like, do I need a pivot because I have all this inventory and it's it's sitting, it's stale and it's not selling. And now it's picking up selling. I talked about how I would only sell like a rain spooner shirt maybe once a month. And now I'm getting multiple sales a week of those. And so I'm glad I have them in inventory because they've been very profitable. Uh, but it's been nice to see. Uh, the return and sales, and also I'm I'm on the last leg of organizing uh, inventory, which will be really nice. Uh, I I had some instances where you know again, I was able to find stuff within a couple minutes, and it reminded me again it's so important if you're a new seller, and I'm thinking about my son right now. My son now has about ten items. He's gonna have probably twenty items at the end of the week listed, and I'm gonna make sure that his stuff is organized. Because that's how it starts, right? You have a little toe and you don't organize it. You have another toe, another toe, another toe. And before you know it, you're you're spending time finding things instead of just packing and shipping and moving on. Yeah. So. I mean, it's tough though. It's it's you can we we've talked many times about being organized in the beginning, but the hard part is every time you you expand, now you've got to go back in and change. So let's say you've got one tote with stuff, now now you're moving things to two totes. So even mm-hmm. if you're trying to stay on it. Well, you move 10 things out, you've got to go to 10 listings and change the the custom skew on 10 items. Yep. Right? That takes time. And now you get bigger and you get bigger. And so every time you do that, like I'm I'm anticipating a move here uh coming up pretty soon for us as far as getting our inventory out of where we currently have it into a new place. And I know there's going to be it's gonna be a nightmare as far as some things are gonna to have to, it's gonna fit better for transport and different totes and all of this stuff. And so we're going to have to go back through and, and either change hundreds of items or, I mean, it's tough organizing stuff. No, I get it. And so what I've been doing is I have probably, I would say still eight totes left of just clothing. And I just clothing I just threw in there. Now, mentally, I know where stuff is at uh, 99% of the time. Right. And so what I'm doing now is I'm just putting labels on it. Like, you know, H1. Uh, is that COVID? I don't know. Anyways. So it was H1, H2, H3, because it's within my house. Okay. And I'm just putting the label and I'm dropping it off to my helper. I'm like, all right, all the items in here, I just need you to put a custom label that this is where it's at. 
right? Instead of going one by one, because I was going to do it myself, but then I thought, how much time am I wasting doing that? So I always encourage that too. If you, I, I think I mentioned this when I was going through my major overhaul uh, earlier, not last year, about a year and a half ago, because uh, I had probably 30 toes of shoes that needed organized, that you could spend it yourself. Like you could spend all this time organizing it. Or if you have a ton of inventory, it may be better off to pay somebody to get that done so you could have your time be more productive. And that's what I'm doing. And and so, I mean, she's happy. She has more work. I'm happy. My stuff is going to be organized and we're going to be all good. So, all right. Hey, we have our next segment of random stories. Before we get that, though, I wanted to talk about our, our new sponsor again, American Bubble Boy. Thank you to all of you that put in orders. And we actually had people come in on our YouTube and on, on Instagram saying they got their items fast. Right. And it was quality bubble wrap. Yeah. So. If, if you have no idea what we're talking about, there's a link below, American Bubble Boy. I always order the 700 square feet, uh, four foot roll for $39.99. There's other options there, but they get there pretty quick. This last week I actually ordered and within two days, I was able to get it. So, yeah. and, and free, it's free shipping. Free shipping. And make sure to use our link because um, if you buy on Amazon, uh, you're going to end up paying more anyways. And if you use our link, it lets them know we sent you over there. Uh, it helps them out, helps us out. So we really appreciate those of you who are are making that purchase. You know, go use our link and uh, and and send some love from Pure Hustle Podcast over to the American Bubble Boy. I'm telling you, you're gonna you're gonna love their stuff. You're gonna become a lifelong customer. I can pretty much guarantee it. So you can thank me later. No, I'm serious. Like we always support items that we use ourselves consistently. So AmericanBubbleBoy.com. See the link below. All right, you got any random stories? Yeah, so uh, I was at a garage sale. I mentioned this on an Instagram story a while back, but I was at a garage sale and I saw a like a, a lodge uh, camping Dutch oven, right? So it's one yeah. that you would like hang over a fire, and it's pretty cool. And I'm I'm into camping a little bit, and I actually have a cast iron like skillet at my home, or, or I don't know if that's the right word, like one of the big ones, like flat that you would put on two burners. And I spent. <clears throat> Is this one we didn't know when I first got it, like how to technically season cast iron. So we were just like washing it and whatever, and, and we didn't see what the big deal is. And then I, I went down the rabbit hole and I looked up like how to take care of cast iron, and it's like a whole thing. Like you're not supposed to use soap on it, and you're supposed to heat it at a certain point and use certain oils on it, and and you let the fat sit in there. And like there's a whole way of of seasoning cast iron. And so I realized there's a market for cast iron. Like people really like certain types of cast iron. And so I saw that vintage cast iron stuff sells for a lot. And, uh, and then I've, you know, seen some here and there at, at garage sales and thrift stores, but this was a pretty neat one because it was a huge Dutch oven, big giant 12 inches, which I mean, it doesn't sound like big, but you know, for a Dutch oven it's, and because it's cast iron, it's relatively heavy. And I see this sitting there. I'm like, Oh, this thing is really cool. I, I look it up. And as I'm in the process of looking it up and seeing that they sell for over a hundred dollars plus shipping on eBay for this one, um, I asked the guy how much it is and he's like, oh, $20. And I couldn't talk him down any more than that. I, I did try. But the neighbor, I had to be a little careful talking him down because the neighbor next door, she's doing a garage sale too. And she perks up and she goes, $20 for the cast iron Dutch oven? You didn't tell me it's $20. If you told me it's $20, I would have paid for it. I'll buy it for $20. Oh, is he going to buy it for $20? Are you going to buy that? Because I mean, that's a really good deal on that. If you're not going to buy it, I'm going to buy it. I'd buy it for $20. And, and she's oh, wow. just like the you're whole time. friend angle too? Right. Yeah. And so she's, know each other. She's like, she's like, Dave, you didn't tell me it was twenty dollars, right? Like that You're whole thing. First name. So um, I'm like, so I pick it up and I'm like walking around with it as I'm looking at other stuff. And she's like, "That's a really good deal in a cast iron." I'm like, "I know." Um, 
and I ended up buying it, uh, obviously. Um, but uh, it was just kind of a funny situation because, you know, it, it's one thing when it's like another, you know, customer or something, but like the neighbor and yeah, I'm like, is, what is he going to say? Like, oh, okay, yeah, Sydney, you can have it. Like, I didn't know. So I'm like, I better just like, so I, did, I didn't let that thing out of my hands, right? I'm like $20. And I told him a couple of times, like, all right, you're okay with $20? All right. And uh, so you got to be careful, but I'm almost wondering if uh, resellers ever like kind of mess with other resellers at a garage sales. You haven't. Yeah. You haven't done that? Oh, I've done that plenty. And yeah. I, I get heat for it on Insta sometimes. Really? Oh, yeah. There was one. I This is probably early episodes, but there was one time when there was a Bose speaker. There's a set of Bose speakers. And oh, I, you, you came and swooped in, right? I swooped in. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing. I understand the swooping in part, but I almost wonder if like you can uh, you can mess with somebody's deal, right? Like if the person's like, oh, how much you want for oh, this? Oh, no. People do that. And They're you like, can from the outside oh. like... Oh, psh, oh, I could sell that for X amount of money. And you don't take anything less than 40 for that. Just oh, to no. mess with your competition. Did you see that quote unquote Karen in the Insta story when I was trying to buy department 56? Yep, I saw that. Yep. And so that wasn't one of our stories. I want to, I want you to, I'll share that story too. Do you want to finish your story? Yeah. So, but anyways, it was, it was just kind of a funny thing. And then another at, at that swap meet that I went to later in the day, uh, ran into a listener. So nice. what's up, Matt? It was good seeing you. Good chatting with you for a little bit. And uh, the cool thing was I actually met him. I want to say it was, gosh, we'd only been doing the podcast for probably six months or so, maybe a little longer because we did the uh, our first Bolo compilation like around Christmas time. Oh, yeah. And I ran into the him like days. a couple weeks after that at a thrift store. And he's like, hey, I think I've seen one of your YouTube videos. My friend told me to watch it. It's like a Bolo video. You did something like that. And I'm like, yeah. And uh, And then now I ran into him and he's like, hey, you know, I watch all of your videos. And so it's just funny to see that somebody like, I met once and he had just found us and then now, uh, you know, is a faithful listener to our, our podcast and I appreciate that. Yeah. So really, really appreciate it. It was good, uh, running into you and talking to you and, uh, hope to see you again out in the wild. All right. So I'm going to share a story. If you follow us on Instagram, you saw the Insta story, but we have a lot more people that listen than catch our Insta stories. So I wasn't going to share this. I have a couple other things, but I, so I went to the garage sale. Okay, and Department 56, like Mike had probably one of the biggest hauls was your Department 56 haul. So if you don't know what Department 56 is, it's it's usually Christmas stuff or it, it could be any kind of a holiday and they're good for good money. But there are some Department 56 that are just, for lack of a better word, trash. Like you you don't want to source them. And, and it's not even so much they're trash. They just don't sell for as much. The Heritage Collection, I think, is one of, is like, so if you get the ones, the box, it just really big, bold. Just five six is all it says. Those sell for a lot more than the ones that are like heritage collection with like a small five six, right? So just keep that in mind. Yeah. So you know, I, there haven't been a lot of garage. I mean, it's been raining and raining and raining around here, right? And so it, you know, I'm usually not prepare, preparing to go to garage sales. And this one morning, I slept in, and I was like, uh, I don't know if I'm gonna go because you know a lot of people aren't going out there, especially because of COVID. Still, and we're in California. I think we're like the last state that's still. Anyways, we're still in lockdown somewhat, which is wild to me. Anyways, so I decided to go to this garage sale and they say that they have a large collection of Department 56. Now, they did put they're not selling at garage sale prices. Like, I did see that. But to me, in my mind, I'm like, you're, you're selling something at a garage sale, but not at garage sale prices. OK, so maybe we can meet a little bit above garage sale prices, you know, something to that effect. So I show up and. You know, I'm there and I'm already seeing everybody. They are adamant about no early birds, but I'm there 15 minutes early and there's a bunch of people already there, which drives me crazy when they see that. Most of the time people don't 
mean it. At least that's my I've only been yelled at twice for showing up early to something. So I walk up and there's a lady there and she's like looking at the stuff. And, you know, I did the to- typical reseller thing. Like I said, how much for all of it? Right. Just and I said it nice. I said, oh, that's kind of cool. Hey, I was wondering how much for all of this. And, you know, she's looking at me and she's like, well, you know, I'm not doing garage sale prices. Uh, $1,500 for all of this. I'm like, $1,500? $1, In my head, you know, I've sold the Department 56 a lot. So I know that this stuff, even retail on eBay, isn't even worth close to 1000 So I'm like, oh, 1500 And she goes, that's it. And that's a deal. And then the other lady, which I'll refer to as a Karen. My apologies, any listeners that are Karens. Like, legitimate Karen. She goes, oh, that's actually a steal. That's actually half price of what it's worth. Was she a, a reseller or was she? No, she. I think she was trying to get her own stuff. So she didn't like it that I showed up and was going to buy it all. Anyways, I'm like, I, I go and I usually I, I kind of, you know, I walk away and I don't make a big deal about it. But I was kind of like bothered by that. I said, 15, I said, 1500. Are you sure? Because I'm pretty sure eBay retail, you couldn't even get 1500 on that. She goes, oh, yeah, I have 15 pieces. You know, that's about 100 a piece. You know, I'm selling this for $750. I'm like, what? Wait, you just said $1,500. Are you sure $1,500? Because you're telling me $750. Then she goes, I meant $1,000. What? What? $1,000? And then I said, hey, let's let's be real here. So I started pointing out to her. I said, this piece right here, you couldn't get $20 for. This piece right here, you can't get $50 for. Maybe that one in the back maybe that could go for 50 to 80 and sure enough you know i shared this in insta story all those pieces combined maybe maybe top retail a little bit over 600 dollars, right so this this was crazy and then i went through the other parts of the garage sale and they had a set of lionel trains there that i love selling lionel trains and the resale on it was 150 used and so i asked them like oh how much for this train so they're like a hundred dollars i'm like Okay, so I know where this is headed. Like pretty much anything I touch is going to be overpriced. One, either because they want top dollar. Two, she just doesn't want me buying from her. Like she has a thing against resellers. Or three, she's attached. And I think I think what she didn't like is at one point in the conversation, I said, oh, it seems you're attached to this stuff. She goes, nope, I just know the value of this. I'm like, oh, all right. Oh, there we go. So lesson in all of that is whenever things are high priced right off the bat, usually it's just time to go. Like I hung around because that was all I was expecting to source. I was expecting to like make a YouTube video like I bought this all for three to five hundred and it's going to resell for this, which actually it wouldn't have been a good YouTube video because it was all heritage collection. It was, it was pretty bad stuff. But anyways, make sure you know your stuff. By the way, if you're a new seller, always research because I'm pretty sure like if a new seller came in there, they would have had, oh, Department 56 is really good stuff. And they may have you may have paid top dollar and lost a lot of money, which I've done that myself. So be aware of that. All right. Do you have any more random stories in here? Nope. Okay. All right. So I wanted to share that this is kind of a reseller topic, kind of not a reseller topic. But before I share that, I want to talk about if something isn't working right, always do your research. So I need, I want to admit something. Maybe this will help somebody out there. So you know those Eden Pure heaters? You know what I'm talking about? It was a hustle of the week that I had. Like they go for good money. Usually thrift stores sell them for about 15 to 30, sometimes less. And they go for 100 to 200, depending on the model. So the other day I sourced one. I paid $20 for it. 
you know, probably a $100 resale. I plug it in. I test it. It's working. And then, you know, I turn it off, but it's not turning off. I'm like, oh, no. Did I buy another dud? Because a few months ago, I had the same problem. It just wouldn't turn off. So I was like, whatever. I just I, So the other one I unplugged and I just threw it away. Right? Because I'm not going to donate something that's broken. So then I go to Google and I Google Eden Quest or Eden Pure heater won't turn off. Sure enough, I find out that, uh, yeah, they don't turn off right away because they keep the fans going to cool down the heater and eventually turn off. And yeah, after, you know, about three to five minutes, it turned off and it was working just fine. So the last time I threw away a hundred dollars, just, just thought if that could help somebody out there, I thought I'd keep it real. Okay. All right. Anyways, that, that, that's a, that's a free one right there. All right. So I, have I mentioned the the Russian boots, the ongoing saga about my money that hasn't been returned? Uh, I'm not sure. So I did an eBay global shipping. I sold a pair of jungle boots back in October of 2020. The guy was scared about showing his ID to the postal agent in Russia. And so he refused to pick up the boots. I contacted eBay global shipping because the guy was requesting a refund. I said, hey, listen, the item got delivered. This is under your guidelines. You know, I, I should be protected. They're like, no problem. We'll take care of you. They refunded uh, the buyer and I got, you know, to keep my money that I made on the sale. Month later, guy files a payment dispute okay, on, on the boots. So I'm like, oh, no. So this is why I, I'm telling you, the more and more I'm in managed payments, the more I miss PayPal. And so I contact eBay. I'm like, hey, listen, this was already taken care of. You're holding $118 for me. You know, this is this should be cover, covered under eBay Global Shipping. And what they told me is, unfortunately, this is not covered under eBay Global Shipping. So if you have a payment dispute or a chargeback, it's not covered under eBay Global Shipping. So I said, how long is it going to take for this to get resolved? And they're like, uh, we don't know. This could go on for a long time, but, you know, at least 90 days. Okay. So fast forward to January, 2021, call eBay. Hey, listen, I have this money that's being held for me. It hasn't been resolved. If you go to my payment disputes for the last six months, you'll find this case is still opened. They're like, oh yeah, we find it there. Unfortunately, we haven't heard from a financial institution. And I'm like, oh, no, no. It says that eBay has to respond to the financial institution. You guys haven't responded. They're like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to send this up the ladder. In the meantime, though, we're going to give you two free months of your eBay store subscription because we don't know when this is going to get resolved. And if it does get resolved and you get your money back, that's just going to be, you know, icing on the cake. I'm like, oh, awesome. Cool. Two weeks pass by. No credit for my eBay store subscription. The, I, the case is still open. Contact eBay again. Oh, uh, yeah, we looked at the notes. There's no notes about you getting those two free months. And uh, this still hasn't been resolved. I'm like, all right, whatever. And then same line. We're going to send this up the ladder. Okay. Week later, we, so I called, I've called seven times. Now it's not about my money. Now it's about the principle of the matter. Like just how can a billion dollar company just not refund me $118? The evidence is there. It's clear. It's done. They should take care of this. Talk to somebody else again. Still didn't get my money. So this time I said, and, and I advise everyone to do this. I said, instead of sharing the whole story with you, can you just type this up in an email for me and send me the email about everything we talked about? So if I have to follow up again, I don't have to do this. So they wrote up an email and all the email says, 
There's a bunch of details on here and it says, as we discussed, I've submitted this to my TL about the manual hold release and also sent a new ticket to my ID department to address it from their side to see why it stayed open for so long. So sorry about this. Da -da -da -da. So I just got to throw it out there. Like if you're doing global shipping, you're all good. I still believe in it, but be ready for payment disputes. And the reason this, <laughs> I hate using the word, the reason I got triggered is because, uh, uh, Lonnie from, hi, he, I've, I'm, I'm forgetting his YouTube channel, put it in the comments below, but Lonnie had the same situation where he had four chargebacks on, on some cosmetic items and eBay still wasn't resolving that. So this glorious savior of managed payments is actually, I think, worse right now than PayPal because with PayPal, th this would have been this would have been a non-issue. So, anyways, was that was that a rant? I don't know what you call that. No, it's good story time. So, all right. Anyways, let's get to some things that will actually help. Yeah. Time for a reseller topics. But do we need yeah. to talk about something else before we get there? Yeah. I'm waiting for you to talk about. It. Oh, you want me to talk about it? All right. So, hey, I was running late today to the podcast. As always, my my can attest to this. Or Orlando, like he has a five to fifteen minute, like I'll be there. Actually, I was on time today though. Three but minutes late. Was I three minutes late? Yeah. Are you sure? Positive. My, I don't know. I I made it. I made an effort to be here on time because I wanted to get out of here on time because I gave uh, Mike were, a hard time about something the other day. You were definitely three minutes late, um, but it would have been a lot later had you not used your skull shaver. Ah, right. perfect intro. There you go. Right, because skull shaver. Um, I I. For a while, I was using my skull shaver like every other day, and I was still like, because I loved like having my hair shorter than pretty much it had ever been in my life. Uh, but now that I've started doing it dry most of the time, I still like to do it like nice wet with a good lather. But I'm doing it dry now. It's like a ritual. It's for every you. day, and uh, and it's it's really fast. Like it's just so yeah. fast to do. So um, honestly. I used to watch my dad with a, a regular Bic razor in the bathroom every day. And it was like a 20 minute thing for him to shave his head. And I'm like, man, I'm done in like, like two minutes tops. My head is like perfect. So get yourself a skull shaver and then you won't be as late as Orlando is on a regular basis. But I used it before I came here, but I wasn't late because of that. I was late because I got two boys. I got to wrangle before I head out to record the podcast. So, all right. Hey, if you haven't been so following us on social media, uh, definitely do so. These stories that we talk about, some of them you can see it happen in in, in live footage. Uh, so check us out on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. We are Pierce the Podcast, and we're also Pierce the Cast on Twitter and Clubhouse. You can always give us a call, 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. Or shoot us an email at Podcast at gmail.com. And as always, we're grateful for all of you that tune into our YouTube. Our subscriber count keeps going up. Our views keep going up. We're grateful for that because that allows us to make more content. And hopefully you're enjoying the videos where, you know, we got a great variety. I was sharing with Mike the other day, like his video about, you know, RV life. I would never have thought about making that video. And I thought it was great. I mean, that it, what, what Mike has done to me is something that, you know, I think would be fun to do. Like just, you know move into RV and just to be reselling. And, and there's, there's a big community of resellers that have done that. And that's one of you and you haven't caught that video, check it out on YouTube. Also, Hey, appreciate all of you that have been, you know, sending us reviews. We're at 415 reviews on the podcast on iTunes. If you haven't had a chance to do that, please do that. It really helps us on the algorithm there. And, uh, you know, I think I'm going to wait to our next podcast because we have so much uh, to share some of the latest reviews, but you guys write such kind and warm, warm, 
words. Really appreciate the reviews. If you haven't had a chance to, go to Apple iTunes, find our podcast, write us a review, hopefully a positive one. And uh, yeah, it really helps us in the algorithm. Yeah. All right. It is time for us to discuss what is important. Everything's important, but some things are more important. The things that are most important are the things that affect your wallet and your checkbook. Do people still have checkbooks anymore? I don't know. But sometimes. But uh, eBay's changed some things, and we're going to talk about that because it has an impact. Orlando, take it away. All right. I wanted to preface that before I bring this up is that this goes in cycles. So, you know, I was doing research for the podcast, and I kept seeing, and obviously the algorithm is going to push whatever I'm looking at. I kept seeing this, I'm quitting eBay trend, or eBay is too much, or this is why I'm getting out of eBay, da da da. But when I would watch these videos, most of the time they were not full time sellers, or they they were sellers, but like they were like retired, and like eBay was kind of like it helped them out. It was like supplemental income, right? It, so it wasn't people that sold a lot of items. And so my warning to you is like, you can watch these videos and you can get really fired up. You can be like, yeah, eBay and eBay, you know, doesn't, you know, is against sellers and they're in favor of buyers. And you could watch some of these and you can be like, yeah, I'm done with eBay. But this is what I'll say before we get into the eBay spring seller update is that for as much as I can go on about, you know, all the downfalls of eBay and things I don't like about eBay. Uh, the, the first thing is you got to be careful about who you listen to and who you watch. Right. And we talked about this in our exposing eBay guru. Or not, it, was, it was just gurus and haters. Like some of these individuals, they just got on YouTube because they're just trying to get views to monetize, which is fine. If that's what that's what their game is, that's all good. Like I, I have no hate on that. Like they figured out a side hustle that works and they're making money on it. Right. But you got to be careful because they're not, you know, real deal eBay sellers. Right. They're just, you know, they do it on the side. And now that they're not happy, well, this is going to give them clickbait money by producing a video like this. Now, I'm not saying everybody who produces these videos is like that. There's some legit people that on there that, you know, talk about problems with eBay all the time. Right. And we always talk about the people that we really respect. Like anytime Craigslist hunters or auction professor or anybody we've had on our podcast talks about some of the issues of the eBay, like I, we listen because they're for real. Like this is what they do for a living. Right. So be careful about who you listen to. The other side is, despite the fees, despite, you know, me complaining about managed payments and the fact that they're holding up $118, guess what? There's several other thousands of dollars I made over the last two months or three months since dealing with that case that would not have been possible unless I was selling on eBay. I wouldn't have been able to make that money on Poshmark. I maybe would have been able to make that money on Amazon, but it would have required a lot more capital and a lot more of my time. At least that's the way I see it. And so I'm really grateful for eBay provides. And to me, I always say this, the amount of money you're paying to sell on eBay compared to amount of traffic that goes to your item. It's, it's crazy. Like you could not do that unless you paid a ton of money in Facebook ads, set up a Shopify and there's all these other things. And we have a lot of dropshippers. We talk about dropshippers that are listeners that would attest to that. And if you want to, you can leave comments below about that. All right, let's talk about some of the things now. The eBay spring seller update. I don't want to get into everything. I just want to get into what we felt were the items that, you know, spoke to us or, or affected us directly. Uh, there's some maybe some items that affect you more directly. So always read uh, the spring seller update because 
do you remember when we had the item apocalypse? Mm-hmm. Right? A lot of people were mad. A lot of people were upset. But eBay did say this is happening. The problem is a lot of especially recently influencers just glossed over that part and didn't talk about it. And so when it went down, a lot of people missed it. Right. Including ourselves. This is why we had that special episode like to explain like what was missed. All right. So a few things coming out for eBay. Okay. This shouldn't be a surprise, but there are more item specifics coming up. So that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Now is it frustrating? Sure. But here's the thing. It is important to eBay and eBay has directly stated in all of their items talking about the spring seller update that this will be something that will definitely help you make sales. It's going to put your stuff higher in the search. But if everybody's doing it, it's going to end up being equal, right? Um, I don't think it's going to help. The idea that like, if if nobody has item specifics or if everybody has item specifics, it's, a, it's the same thing, right? The only time it's really going to help you is if you're the only one with item specifics. Now, what I just wish eBay would do is I wish eBay would say, Okay, so the, the, what I think most people are frustrated on is if you've got a store with 100 items, 500 items, 1,000 items, 3,000 items, and now you've got to go back through and add item specifics on things that are super old and you've had for a long time. Okay, got it. We just did that. Now new things. Now i got to go back and redo these next three item-specific categories that they've just added. At least make new items that I list if you already know what all of the required item specifics are going to be, instead of slowly rolling that out, just say, okay, starting today, any new items have to have all of these things. That way we don't ever have to go back. Cause I feel like by the fourth time you touch an item, that's where the frustration comes in, right? It's like, I have to, I have to open this item up again mm-hmm. and edit it again. I just listed this three months ago. Why wouldn't they have just told me like, this is going to be a required in the next two years, like just do it now. But if you don't know what's going to be required, that's where it gets frustrating. Well, yeah. And so, but they are here. Here's where I think, I, and I agree with Mike. I think if everybody does it, everybody's going to be equal, but I don't believe everybody's going to do the recommended. And I think that's where the difference is going to come in. And eBay even states here in their spring seller update says complete and accurate item specifics parentheses, both required and recommended are essential to improving your listings rankings in search. Right. So they're telling you, hey, these are required, but they're saying if if you want to be behind the search, you need to do both required and recommended. And I've shared this before. I've seen an uptick, but I actually had about eighteen hundred or so recommended. I got it down to one hundred and twenty five and now I'm back to three hundred and something. And that's after it went up to like six hundred. And so they keep building. And and the categories that are coming in are what many of our listeners sell clothing, shoes, accessories, collectibles. Uh, media, sporting goods. So they are coming. They're going to have more. So just be ready. But I do recommend, like, if this is what eBay is saying, then just do it. Then just do it. Uh, Other item here, they were talking about uh, automated uh, unpaid item, (laughs) which I'm not a a fan of this. So let let me read to you what they're saying. So what they're saying is that, you know how right now, like if somebody doesn't pay, you could like message them or you can open an unpaid item case. And I'm very big on, you know, hey, you should already have an unpaid item assistant already opened up. Well, what eBay is doing now is saying we're going to take over all of that. We're going to message them. But here's what they said. They said you have the option of canceling after five days. That bothers me. 
Can you, can you guess why that bothers me? Tell me why. That means unpaid items aren't going away. Like all this talk about, hey, we're, gonna, we're working on this. We're going to resolve it. We've talked about before how managed payments was going to take away the ability of, of buyers being able to buy something and not pay for it. It's not going away. I think eBay is just keeping it as part of their, their business. I think, I mean, it's gotten better in the sense that you can, you can select automated pay, or automatic payment or require automatic payment if they use the buy it now, right? Correct. Now, the difference is when somebody's making an offer. Now, the hard part is Poshmark has it set up. If I, if I do an offer, if I offer somebody, I'll pay $20 for this pair of pants and they accept it, that's as good as it's done, right? I owe them the 20 bucks. It's already out of my, my bank account. And I could see the benefit of that. And it's definitely a huge benefit for the seller. But I could see if you're a buyer, right? Like imagine if when you went to a garage sale and you're walking around and you see, you know, a pair of shoes and they're like, it's 30 bucks. And you're like, would you take 12? And they're like, done. And they, they already have your money. And you were like, wait a minute, I'm not 100% sure I want to buy it for 12 yet. Like, like just saying it doesn't necessarily mean you're ready to make the purchase, right? So I could see why somebody's like, all right, I, I, I'm I wanting to buy a new whatever pair of shoes and there's five of them listed and I'm going to put uh, a $50 offer on all five of them just to see if anybody will will bite at that. Now, what if three people bite? It's like, well, now I have to buy three or it's like, no, I'll just, whichever the first one was, I'll pay for that one. And then the others, sorry, sellers, right? So that's where I can kind of get um, them kind not of. doing. Yeah, I mean. But, but they should at least keep the listing live. That I agree. that that 100%. is the biggest issue because those are five days where somebody else could have gone in and bought it maybe at full price. But instead, the worst is yep. when you accept an offer because usually when you accept an offer, you're given a deal, yep. right? And when you give a deal, you're given a deal with the expectation that hey, I'm giving this deal, and this person probably should pay right away because I'm giving them a deal. You can't go to a garage sale, somebody cuts you a deal, and you're like, you know what? Can I come by at three in the afternoon? Like that's not reality. Yeah. Right. And so it just bothers me that that eBay put this in the spring seller update because, uh, you know, what news are they giving me? They're giving me that they still, you know, don't understand. Like, I honestly, I believe wholeheartedly that some of these policies are not being written with focus on sellers or at least focus groups that are sellers that are giving feedback. Because I don't know of any seller that goes, you know what? I think it'd be a good idea to have unpaid items for five days and then let us cancel it. Like, I don't know anybody, anybody. Yeah. And that, yeah, like you said, even like with the idea of focus groups, like it would be interesting because when we were at eBay open they're they're what, what they told us made sense, right? Sorry. You know, we never were a, a managed payment thing. We never managed payments. We were just the broker between buyer and seller. And so, you know, it wasn't up to us to decide whether or not items got, and as we move into managed payments, we'll fix that. Right. Well, now we're there, and so that excuse doesn't work anymore. So it does make me feel like was that just was that just the easy excuse that you could give, as opposed to why are we not doing it now? Now I would like some transparency if they were to come out and say, "Look, we're doing this because we think that we have an eight percent buyer retention over the course of the year because we don't require automated payments and people can kind of you know hold on, and we think in the long run that's beneficial." Then I might say, well, that sucks for me, but I guess I get why they're doing that. But if they don't tell you why, I mean, you just kind of feel like, well, why? <laughs> I mean, what that's a, I've always been like, hey, if there's a massive glitch in some work that you guys need to get in, I can understand. But but with that, they would have to give a timeline. Right. And there's there hasn't been a timeline. All right. Next. Uh, this is good and bad. So. For those that aren't top rated sellers, 
you have an ability to still give partial refunds if you offer uh, free returns. Okay, so now it has to be auto accepted. Now I don't know if it's free. Let me read. Let, let me make sure we're all on on the same page. In most cases, when buyers open a return request in line with your return policies, we automatically accept the return. That won't change. But starting in spring, you have the option to offer a partial refund on return. So this doesn't mean free returns. This means if you offer automatic returns. All right? Do you have auto returns on? No. Do they have to like yeah. send a request for you? Yeah. Okay. So I have auto returns and it's really simple. I, I mean, I recommend doing it because you it's one less thing you have to think about. It's automated. But now this used to be exclusively for top rated sellers. If you're a top rated seller and you know, you offered uh Oh, you know what? Now that I think about it, I think we do have automated returns on. I think we didn't and now we do. Okay. No. So so it used to be that you you would have to be a top rated seller to be able to do this. Now it's available to everybody as long as you offer automated returns, which is good for people that aren't top rated sellers. And for those of us that are top rated sellers, one less thing that we no longer have. Right. Because we're also losing. There's, there's some other things that we're losing. Uh, they're retiring here. I'll read it. If you're a top rated seller, they're retiring the promoted uh, listings credit. Uh, for select stores and eBay top rated sellers. So you can read about that in there. I don't want to delve into that because we don't have time. But hey, this is an option for you. If you haven't done returns, this may be a good thing, especially if you sell new items. One of the most powerful tools you have if you have partial refund is like, hey, if you get something back used, you can now give them up to 50% and you're good to go. All right. Uh, next, uh, let's see here. I'm trying, I'm trying to sift through all this. Oh, automated promoted listings. Do you, do you do promoted listings? Yeah. Right. You know how you always have to like hit that box and put mm -hmm. the percentage. Now, if you do any new listings, if you get it set up under business policies, anything you list will be automatically promoted listings. Nice. At that percentage? At that percentage. Nice. So, which I like. I like because, you know, I keep everything at 2%. So I'm good with that. All right. So here's one uh, that this was already around, but they're, they're adding more zero insertion fees based on source subscription. Right. And I think I think eBay is going to more of a zero insertion fees eventually. I just get that sense. Uh, but this is if, in case you're wondering, make sure you look at what it means based on your store subscription and on what you're selling. So, for example, if you sell clothing like Mike and I do, you're not getting more zero insertion fees. But if you if you sell some, you know, certain kinds of goods, you're getting zero insertion fees. If you sell, you know, sports cards some kind of multimedia, those kind of items, you can take a look at the list on there, then you are getting that. Now, the last one I wanted to talk about that most people are going to be upset about is that fees are going up across the board on all final value fees, which, you know, to be fair, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, inflation's going up. Hopefully you're, you're raising your prices on stuff. Well, that's the thing is, is inflation shouldn't affect them in that sense because if the prices of our items are going up to match inflation. Yeah then they're automatically making more money. That's true. <laughs> okay, okay, that's fair. You're right. You're right. I'm not surprised that they're raising the fees. Right? I mean, they, here's the thing, though. If it, It's a good balance, though. If they're raising the final value fee, but they're eliminating more insertion fees, you, you're going to be in a good place depending on what you sell. Right? So I'd be more open to... Oh, man, should I say this? A little bit more 
that I pay in final value fees is if I didn't have to pay any insertion fees. Ooh, I don't know. I think I think in the long run you're paying that's what way, Amazon is. I think you're in the long run though you're paying way more in final value fees you than so? you do in insertion fees. Oh yeah, I mean if your insertion fee is but you're only 10 paying cents, when it sells, right? But if it's ten cents insertion fee and your final value you in, on final value you end up paying ten dollars on an item because it was a big right. item. Okay, right? I see what you're saying. All right, no, so, no I think that's so. It, it would be it'd be great if there was no final value fee, right? Like that would obviously be the the deal. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it would be the second best would be to get rid of insertion. I, I think sure. it's I think I'm just jaded right now, which this last one that I'm going to talk about is going to maybe fix this. So whenever I get those invoices, like I'm in the right spot that I'm almost to an anchor store, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. So I'm paying, you know, all kinds of, you know, fees, insertion fees. And on top of that, I'm paying my FedEx fees at the end of the month because they don't take out FedEx when you sell. So now, according to eBay, this is the latest update. It's going to start happening, rolling out, I think, in April already, uh, based on what they said, is that uh, all selling fees and basically anything, all fees are going to no longer you're going to get invoiced anymore. They're just going to come out of the money that you make. Then you come right out of your managed payment. So I kind of like that. The only thing I don't like is I still don't know like everything that eBay takes out of my money. I mean, would, is that a fair? Like, do you ever look yeah, at the report confusing. and you're like, I understand everything that's on here. I mean, I I could understand it if I spent the time like really paying attention to it, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things where you just you, you kind of know the deal and and you know that they're taking their fair share, <laughs> and you just go with it. You know, you get it's like getting punched in the gut, and you just smile and keep going. Yeah, and we're different. I know there's a lot of individuals out there, and maybe some of our listeners here that you know they have line item, they know exact percentages for each category they know you know this and this and this i buy stuff at such a low cost for the most part that i'm not really concerned about the sense now maybe you should maybe i should be maybe at three thousand items when i get there maybe i should be right one part of it too is i mean obviously you'd be better off doing that but if you were running a, a store where you were you were really wholesaling items and you were getting you know bulk items you're getting hundreds or thousands of a specific type of item consistently then yeah you're gonna want to know because every little bit makes a difference but yeah when you're buying one-offs it's not quite the same yeah at least that's the way i see it yeah so so be aware that i think it's a good thing i i always like that instead of getting that invoice not always paid off the thing i'm gonna miss is all the uh, credit card miles that i would get by paying that balance off with my credit card which isn't going to be available but it's all good i mean i i make that money other ways but uh just be aware that i think it's good i just wish they made it simple. That's the only, and people have been saying this for over a decade since YouTube has been around. There's been so, there's so many videos about, you know, eBay, could you just help us understand like what you're charging us? So, all right, let's get some other news. Hey, did you know that there's a $20 eBay dispute fee? No. So that was, so I, I was watching a few YouTubes and research for this, and I'm like, no, there's no way. Like, $20? That's pretty hefty. And sure enough, it's in their policies, and I found it. So it says here, if a buyer files a payment dispute and, you found, and you're found responsible for the disputed amount, you'll be charged a dispute fee by eBay. If you accept the payment dispute and issue a refund, eBay will waive the dispute fee, and you'll be responsible for the refund amount issued to your buyer. So, so payment dispute though, what, what is, what's in so there? Like a credit card. So if a credit, the chargeback. But why would we be found at fault in it? I don't know. I mean, the only way I could understand you'd be found at fault is like, you never sent the item. 
right? Like, or your the, description's off, or yeah. But if that's net. the case, then yeah, you're just gonna do the refund anyways. Like, you're gonna refund the buyer. Like, if it's if if you get an INAD, chances are you've already refunded the buyer. Item that is described. Yeah. So yeah, that's a that's an interesting one, <laughs> man. I don't like the uh, the one here that that so. A new bill that was passed included that. So originally it was what twenty thousand dollars is what you would have to make on eBay or PayPal before that you'd get a ten ninety nine. Yeah. Okay. So give context. So recently, uh, we had the bill that was passed, the uh, economic recovery bill. I think what is the crisis bill? I forget what it's called, but it is HR thirteen nineteen that was passed in Congress, and it's uh line it's section nine six seven four of the COVID relief bill that was just passed. Yeah. And so part of that is it's going to hold smaller like sellers or even uh, uh, people who do like piecework. Um, th- th- you're basically forcing more tax out of them or, or, or ensuring that they're going to be held accountable. So if you're just like, Hey, I, I've done Uber twice, right? Like I, it's, I'm not like my full-time job. Not everybody, if you weren't getting a 1099, not everybody's claiming all of that on your taxes and for eBay and you know, PayPal, it used to be $20,000. If you made over $20,000, you'd get the 1099. Now it's $600, right? So if you were one of those people who were able to kind of skate under and you were fine with not necessarily um, telling Uncle Sam how much you made. You mean breaking the law? Yeah, but uh, technically, anytime you have a garage sale, if you sell something, if you like, you would have technically, you every time you sell something, even on Facebook Marketplace, you're supposed to. No, no, to I know. That. In California, it's, it's super like, you make one sale, you must report. Yeah. So, so technically you're supposed to do that, but, but realistically, like who's doing that anyways, right? Like if you're, if, if, if you've got something and someone's like, Hey, I'll pay you five bucks for that. And you're like, okay, sure. You're supposed to claim that $5 on your taxes and you're supposed to. So not everybody does that. The idea was, okay. Like if you made an extra $20 this year, selling a random thing at a garage sale, maybe you don't file that. There was like a cutoff and they kind of said like, okay, $20,000 is where it's like, okay, you're doing this for a job. You need to be paying taxes on this. Now it's $600. The part that really frustrates me is if you were making over $20,000 a year, it made sense that you were keeping track for your taxes. You were keeping track of all of the information, the expenses, what items you sold. But eBay only gives you 90 days. Like My first year doing taxes with eBay was a nightmare because I didn't realize I couldn't just pull a report of everything that I've sold on eBay, what it sold for, what it, it was like, wait a minute, where's all my sales? Like, yeah. all I have is this one number. Like, where's those things that I sold at the beginning of the year? And it was really frustrating because it's like, well, I, I, I wasn't keeping track on a separate sheet because I just assumed I could pull up that sheet and say like, okay, well. Common sense. Right? Like, okay. this stuff will be here, but it's not. So I think if eBay is going to... 1099 people for $600, which could just be like a grandma selling like three or four things out of her house. Right. You know? And so I think eBay needs to, if, if, since this is required, they need to keep better records for you. And at the end of the year, say here are the 300 sales you had, here's the name of the listing and how much it sold for, how much fees we took instead of just giving you one big number. So that way you can actually itemize. And if you're paying taxes on it, you can actually get those deductions. So I'm kind of the other side on this and I'm not trying to get political here, but I I mean, I'm adamantly opposed to income tax, but that's a whole nother discussion. You know, I'm also a big believer in flat tax. I think all income tax should be removed and everybody should pay, uh, you know, an inflated sales tax that's flat for everybody. And so everybody's paying taxes, right? Because there's a lot of businesses that go under the radar that are not reselling that, you know, sell all kinds of different stuff that make a lot of money. But what I'll say is this, 
I get the frustration. Like I, I get the fact that, you know, maybe you're just selling stuff around your house. Maybe this was just a one month, right? I get that. But I will say the other side that bothers me is when I see people like people were even saying this before. I would see this on the Reddit boards all the time. Uh, they would say, man, I always make sure that I sell no, no more than $19.99 for the year. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. So you're saying since you don't want to pay taxes, you're willing to make less money. Right. And so for me, it's kind of like this. This happened to me a few years ago. So there was a time where, you know, finances were terrible for me. And so we always got, you know, uh, when I was married and I had kids, we got discount for medical care. We got discount for um, our electrical bill. Like we had all these discounts and then we hit a certain financial threshold and it all went away and we were paying a lot more for everything. But I never regretted never getting that final assistance anymore. I was grateful that I didn't have to do that. So for me, it's don't let something like this hold you back from making more money. So what? So you got to pay a little more taxes. They make more money to cover those taxes, right? Find other ways. Cause to me is, you know, it gets even worse. I mean, there's a certain point that you hit an economic bracket, right? And it's going to happen here in California where you're paying if you're going to make, you know, and this is rumor right now, but we're pretty close to there. If you make over 400 K a year, Okay, you're going to be paying 40%, right? At a certain rate. Okay, after you make a certain amount of money, anything over the amount is going to be taxed at 40K. Even right now, California, if you make over 100K, you lose, I don't know the percentage, but it's a higher percentage than you made before, right? Graduated income tax. So, what I'll say with this is yeah, I mean, this isn't, this passage of this bill was not, the, well, the insertion of this into the COVID relief bill, uh, which I really don't think is helping anybody. <laughs> at this point in time, wasn't made by eBay. wasn't made by PayPal. It was made by legislators later, but don't let it hold you back from making more money. But it's, it's funny though, cause uh, they recognized that there were people who were, there's, there were a handful of people who were making figure somewhere between 600 and maybe a couple thousand dollars a year and little side jobs. And uh, in order to pay for the, the, the bill, we got to make sure we're getting the money from those people. Like, you are gonna pay. No, I know. Uh, yeah, I'm trying not to get political. I just, anyways. All right, moving on. The end of yard sale treasure map. I see that on here, and what are you talking about? Is it really going away? So there's a statement that came out by Yard Sale Treasure Map, the creator of Yard Sale Treasure Map. How did I miss it? Okay. Now I never got the message. But it's made the rounds of social media and it is legitimate. It's not, I mean, maybe it's... No, but I love I love this app. How could it okay. be going away? So it's not that it's going away. This is what's going away. The functionality where it links up to Craigslist and you could plan your routes on your sale treasure map with, you know, the listings that are filled by Craigslist. So Craigslist has severed ties with the yard sale treasure map. And Mike right now is trying to see if it's real. But you go see if Saturday, see if anything populates there for Saturday. There were two. Okay, so it's not now. The only reason it'll populate is if people put information inside. Well, how am I supposed to get my okay. my, my 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 routes now? We are about solutions on this podcast. I know this has been a rant-heavy, I believe, podcast, but we're about solutions. So here's my solutions. I actually haven't used Yard Sale Treasure Map for the last two years. I use Craigslist in conjunction with, and I've shared this in the earlier days of the podcast, there's a one episode called Making More Money at Garage Sales, I believe. I use Rod Excel, and I also use MapQuest Route Planner. 
Yeah, I mean, I've done those things too, but it's still not as good as Yard Sale Treasure Map. True, but Yard Sale Treasure Map wouldn't catch everything. See, so anyways, I'm just trying to offer a solution. Now, there is a map view on Craigslist. Have you seen the map view? Yeah, I've used that for sure. Right, where like it shows all the garage sales. You click on the right and it'll show you all the garage sales on, in a map. So here's, here's my solution. If you go to MapQuest Route Planner, it's free. You have to deal with stupid ads that pop up. But you can go to Craigslist, and as you find the garage sales you go want to go to, you insert the addresses, and you can plan a route on the shortest distance or the shortest time. And based on that, you can plan your route for the day. Or like what I do, I go based on what is at those garage sales, and I could say, I want this to be the first one. I want this to be second. I want this to be third. And then I plan my route. So again, <laughs> sad. MapQuest sad Route Planner is an option. And I think you could put like 20 something on there. Rada Excel is an option, but I think after 10, they make you pay. And I think they're a foreign company because you pay in pounds or something like it converts U.S. currency. But those are solutions. OK, so it's not done yet. OK, and maybe something, some innovation will happen. Maybe Craigslist will update, you know, their visual interface from the early 90s to something current. So who knows? So, yeah. All right. And that is our reselling topics for today. Yeah. So, which means hopefully we can get onto something better now. Cause man, I tell you what, that, uh, losing that, that app was like one of my, it was one of my favorites. I liked it. People would say, how do you know where the, how do you know where the yard sales are? When I tell people I'm a reseller, I'm like, watch this. And I click it and, and then it'd be like yard sales everywhere. I'm like, here, you could tell, right? And now it's gone. That's all right. It's like, it's like I just lost a friend. You but, can say, hey, listen, I've been garage for two years without it. Yeah, but it's I I I did the way I've done I've done the 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 Craigslist and the Route Excel and it's just I don't like it as much, but it's okay. It's all right. I'll figure it out. Adapt. That's what we do. But now we're moving on to Bolo 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 Bolo. What's your Bolo? Yeah, I could stop whining now. We could talk about Bolos. All right, you go for. I've talked a lot. Yeah. Okay. So. um I talked at the beginning about cast iron and the cast iron Dutch oven that I got was Lodge. And I think Lodge is kind of like, it's hard because if you go really vintage Lodge stuff, there's some money there. The L-O-D-G-E? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I, I think that's how you say it. I don't know. Maybe it's Lodge. Lodge. I'll, I'll look it up. I'm like that. 90% sure it's just Lodge. Um, and so there's some money in, in Lodge cast iron. But as I'm looking up cast iron... Dutch ovens and how much they sell for there's other brand pops up and maybe I'm a dummy for not knowing about this brand but uh in my mind Lodge was like the brand but it's not there's another brand oh yes Griswold oh yeah that's money 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 and Griswold is if you can find a Gris it almost doesn't matter what size it is you can get a four inch four inch Griswold uh cast iron little pan and they're going to sell for probably over a hundred dollars. Like it's models do matter though. Oh yeah. With anything, it's going to matter, but it's just amazing how much more. So like the exact same thing lodge, the exact same, like basically like size, shape, whatever in the Griswold, it's the, the price difference is just unbelievable. So if you can, I, I, I've never seen one and maybe it's just because I haven't been looking, but I will be looking for Griswold cast iron now. Uh, and it's uh, G R I S W O L D, and uh, man, I was as I was seeing sale prices on these, and I'm like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, this is a bolo. You have to move on those. There is so much competition for Griswold. Really, it's it is because there were a lot of YouTube videos that were made probably three four years ago about Griswold, and 
So a lot of people know about those. So I came across one, but it wasn't as valuable as I, as I thought it'd be. So, all right. Mine is an interesting one, but I'm telling you, if you find the right brand or, or the right kind of uh, design, it's worth it. Straw hats. Now you might go. Seems like it'd be hard to ship. Okay. Let, let me explain this a little bit. So you got to be careful. I have a straw hat get crushed. Okay, so maybe maybe would we get views on a YouTube video? How does how to ship straw hats? <laughs> yeah, we get twelve views. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so for example, I just picked up a Stetson straw hat, a Stetson one. Stetson, Stetson usually yeah. so funny. I paid three bucks and it sold for seventy plus ship. Okay, but here's the thing: if you find them Stetson, Stetson, or you find them even Resistol, or you find another brand, or the one that I sell well. Are usually there the straw has to have like a band around it and it says like the football team, like Ohio State or San Diego or so on. Mm. Those sell pretty, pretty well for me. Uh I I can say I have sold every single straw hat I've ever sourced in a good amount of time. I just recently sourced one uh three weeks ago that still hasn't sold, but I'm pretty sure it's gonna sell. I mean, I bought it, it was a Chargers one, so I bought it right after the, the football season, but I paid five bucks and I'm selling it for fifty plus. So keep an eye for straw hats. Definitely money to be made out there. Now, how do you ship it? Okay, I strongly encourage you to... There's two ways you can do it. I would say the more valuable the hat, maybe you want to float the box. So check out our YouTube video about how to float a box. If it's not as valuable a hat, you have to make sure that there's enough clearance on both sides, on the bottom and on the top. So that means that you put paper right on both sides and that you have firm boxes, right? So they are boxes that, you know, I, if you have to Frankenstein them, make sure that it's in like thick cardboard. It can't be like some of the, some of the Amazon boxes aren't as, as thick, right? But like the U-Haul boxes are thicker. Home Depot boxes aren't as thick. So you, it has to be a right texture and it has to be one that like, even if you drop something on the box, it's not like an automatically flat. Yeah. Triple corrugated. I don't even know if that's the thing. <laughs> Whatever you call it. So th that's what I would recommend Yeah, for straw hats. But yeah, keep an eye. All right. What are you looking forward to here? Uh, so I think over in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to start building uh, my mini barn. So I'm going to build a, a pole barn. So I've been trying to figure out the best way to do... Uh, I want to get my inventory onto the property that we're at. And I've, I've run through a few things. Like One of the things that I think would be probably the most cost effective would be a shipping container. But the problem with the shipping container is there's only one place we could put it and we really don't want it there. Um, and the problem is I don't think it would ever leave the property, right? Like once it's there, it's there. And the hard part is I don't know if my in-laws want a giant shipping container on their property. Like mm -hmm. we're gonna have to pay a bunch of money for somebody to come take this shipping container away at some point. So then it was like, okay, we're gonna build a shed. And sheds are just, the you run into the problems, right? Like wood, it's expensive. It takes a long time to build. Uh, metal is not quite as as expensive, but they're not fun to build. And you know, they're that it, it's it's it was a nightmare. So we're like, you know what? Let's just do a pole barn. So we're gonna like do an old fashioned. We're just gonna drill holes into the ground and throw some four by four posts in, and then throw up some plywood, put a roof on the top. And we're even thinking we're just gonna do either dirt floor with like horse mats or. Uh, or gravel and just do it that way. And and we're going to save a bunch of money because ideally, yeah, we would have concrete floor, but if you pouring a concrete base, we're looking at like three, $4,000. Mm. And so we're like, okay, well we could do wood and, and, and a solid wood foundation. We're still going to, so we're like, you know what? 
this just has to keep rain off of stuff, right? Like really that's what it comes down to is we got to keep rain off of our things. And of course it's not going to be as nice and we're going to have to deal with, you know, all the things we'd have to deal with, even with a a nice shed, things like rodents and stuff, you still got to deal with. Uh, But you know, fingers crossed. Is, Is it, is it the ideal it's not the ideal, but I think I could do it for cheaper doing it this way. I think it'll keep my inventory out of the elements. Uh, it'll keep them out of the rain. It'll keep them out of the sun. And maybe we just have to move inventory faster. But I think we'll be able to make a, a good size. Uh, I think my plan is I'm going to do like a 16 foot by 10 foot uh, mini barn and uh, and hopefully be able to even get some more inventory in there and have it on site because one of the problems right now is driving back and forth and it just makes it more complicated. So if we could have everything on site, it'll be good. So I don't know. We'll see. I'll probably take some video of this and maybe somebody in the comments will tell me I'm crazy and say, don't do, don't do a gravel floor or don't do a horse mat floor. But, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes you got to go cheap. What is horse mat? What is that? Yeah. So it's like a, like inch thick or three, uh, three quarter inch thick. You get different size ones. It's like rubber mats. So basically I'm going to like kind of grade the, 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 is it like when you go to a water park kind of deal? Um, kind of, but <laughs> I'm so have ignorant. you ever been in a, like a horse stall, like no, at a barn? Never, okay. So it's no. basically, it's basically like a, like a rubber mat. Um, just keep the dirt down. Right. Cause you know, I don't want dirt, like f- dust floating ah, in there. Okay, so the okay, idea okay. is keep the dirt down. Uh, but I think I'm just going to kind of have a level dirt floor with, uh, with horse mats down and, uh, just to keep the dirt down and keep it, you know, easier to walk on and stuff. Uh, but I don't know. We'll see. It might, it might be crazy. Maybe we're crazy for doing it this way. And, and honestly, like I'm not like a, a construction person. So again, maybe down below, you might tell me like, don't do it. You'll regret it. You'll spend more in the future. But I just don't know if I'm at a place where I can spend three to $4,000 to just for a concrete base, you know, mm-hmm. or, or, uh, you know, even a thousand dollars for a solid wood floor. That's going to take a bunch of time to build when it's like, maybe I'll build a wood floor later, you know, after, uh, after the business makes more money. But, you know, I'm excited. I'm so excited to get this barn built. And, uh, you know, I learned something. Every time I do a construction project, I'm like, yeah, I'm better than I was before. But, you know, sometimes you wish you can go back and fix things. So, I don't know. Give me some advice down the bottom if you're a, if you're a, a, a good, handy person and you know you got some tips on how to build a pole barn. Let me know. I appreciate Mike. Mike, Mike takes on projects. I, I wouldn't be able to take, like, I remember you were doing solar panels and all that good stuff. I'm more of like, yeah, I, I just need to find somebody to do it. So that's good. You're learning. All right. Um, what am I looking forward to? Well, uh, I am wrapping up my taxes. I'm almost, I, I am, I am, I'm done now. It's just, you know, finalizing, making sure I get every deduction, make sure everything's all good. Uh, it was 2020 was a really good year. So I'm kind of concerned about that. And, uh, I'm, I'm wrapping up organizing. So that's been great. And, uh, yeah, I'm just same old, same old. Nothing's changed. I'm just I'm gonna keep building my eBay store. I'm still hoping to get to three thousand by the summer. It's been a little bit more difficult because, especially this week of of stimulus, there's been a lot of good sales. But it it reinforced for me the idea that I really enjoy eBay in the sense that you know I, there's been some people that we really respect and look up to that are kind of moving away from eBay right now. And they're moving more to Amazon. Uh, just because Amazon, like if they get to a certain place where they're not touching inventory, you know, they can actually travel and they can do all this. I'm on the other side where I still love the treasure hunt. I still like finding goods. I mean, if you ever watch my Insta stories, like I'm always pumped about finding all kinds of stuff. And I don't know when that's ever going to go away. It may go away. One day I might be like, you know, I'm done with the hunt, but I love the hunt. So 
I'm just looking forward to just building up my eBay store. So, all right. Hopefully you found all the information from today. Hopefully we were really news heavy today, huh? So anyways, with all that being said, make sure to keep it real. Relevant. And reselling. Late. Peace.